I looked back at a few of my episodes. There was one on the ancient Andes, and then there was one on the lost tribes of North America. And I felt that there was a missing link, a missing component, something not right. And that was because I missed out ancient North America. You don't have to go back and listen to those two older episodes if you don't want to, but I suggest you do. But here, I did want to talk a little bit about ancient North American civilizations. Now, most people, when they think about North America, they don't think of old stuff. That's because for so many centuries, Europeans have claimed three things in this narrative. One, that North America was discovered, and primarily by them. Two, that it's the new world and not an old world. And three, ultimately, disease and conversion to Christianity essentially devoured any oral tradition that there was. In short, the history of North America assumes something recent. Yet, my episode on the lost tribes of North America should tell you that there is a ton of history. You just need to look beyond the Eurocentric topics out there. I looked back at a few of my episodes. There was one on the ancient Andes, and then there was one on the lost tribes of North America. And I felt that there was a missing link, a missing component, something not right. And that was because I missed out ancient North America. You don't have to go back and listen to those two older episodes if you don't want to, but I suggest you do. But here, I did want to talk a little bit about ancient North American civilizations. Now, most people, when they think about North America, they don't think of old stuff. That's because for so many centuries, Europeans have claimed three things in this narrative. One, that North America was discovered, and primarily by them. Two, that it's the new world and not an old world. And three, ultimately, disease and conversion to Christianity essentially devoured any oral tradition that there was. In short, the history of North America assumes something recent. Yet, my episode on the lost tribes of North America should tell you that there is a ton of history. You just need to look beyond the Eurocentric topics out there. I think it's a big fat lie that civilization was brought to the Americas from Europe. The reality is that humans and their advanced human civilizations flourished there even before those tribes of Europeans showed up, and even before those early tribes that I talked about in the episode on the lost tribes of North America. There were people way before that. Archaeologists call these people Paleo-Indians or Paleo-Americans. Paleo, for those of you who are keen to know, it comes from the Greek or ancient Greek meaning old. That's a better term on its own than adding American or Indian to that. It is suggested and argued by those who know that these were the first peoples who entered and subsequently inhabited the Americas during what is known as the final glacial episodes. Ruber has it that 
big animal hunter-gatherers, as well as animals, crossed the Bering Strait from Siberia into the Americas over a land bridge that would have existed due to ice formations at the time. I'm told that this bridge existed from 45,000 to 12,000 BCE. Small, isolated groups of hunter-gatherers may well have migrated alongside those birds of large herbivores far into the Arctic North America from Siberia, from around 16 to 13,000 BC, and then ice-free corridors may well have developed along the Pacific coast and valleys of North America. This would have allowed animals, as well as humans, to migrate south into the interior of the continent. These people would or could have gone on foot or used boats along the coastline. It is known that at least two different Paleo-Indian, Paleo-American, or just Paleo, populations coexisted in different geographical areas of Mexico just 10,000 years ago. Scientific evidence links indigenous American Indians, previously known as Red Indians, to Eastern Siberian populations. Indigenous peoples of the Americas have also been linked to Siberian populations by linguistic factors, the distribution of blood types, and genetic data such as DNA. There is also evidence from at least two separate migrations from 8,000 to 7,000 BC where it is thought that climate stabilized, leading to a rise in population and rock technology advancements, resulting in a more sedentary lifestyle. Sites in Alaska, East Beringa, where some of the earliest evidence has been found of paleo peoples in North America, followed by archaeological sites in northern British Columbia, western Alberta, and the Old Crow Flats region of the Yukon. These peoples were spread over a wide geographical area. Thus, they were very naturally regionally variant in their lifestyles. The prehistoric, so-called Clovis culture or civilization, is where I'd like to start. The Clovis culture were a prehistoric peoples named for some distinct stone tools that were found in close association with a fauna at Blathwater locality number one near the modern town of Clovis in the southern U.S. state of New Mexico and the northern Mexican state of Sorona. The modern so-called discovery of these sites happened in the 1920s and the 1930s. Very smart archaeologists at present reckon that the radiocarbon age is equal to roughly 13,000 to 14,000 calendar years ago, making it somewhat at par with the ruins in southern Anatolia, now Turkey, called Lopepe Tepe. It's also very old. Yes, it's old, old, old. The only human burial that has been directly associated with tools from the Clovis culture include the remains of an infant boy who it was found using DNA samples closely resembles modern Native American populations. A hallmark of the toolkit associated with this Clovis culture is a distinctively shaped fluted stone spear plinth known as the Clovis Point. The Clovis Point is a bifacial and typically fluted on both sides. It's believed by experts that the Clovis tools were produced over a roughly 300-odd year period. Clovis peoples are thought to have hunted mammoths, as well as now extinct bison, sloth, and even 
horse, as well as smaller animals. The oldest Clovis site in North America is believed to be the ones at El Fin del Mundo in northwestern Sonora. This site is thought to be about 14,000 years old. The Clovis were, however, not the first civilization in North America. The oddly named Buttermilk Creek Complex is located in the southern U.S. state of Texas. The site is in the middle of the state. It is dated to about 15,000 years old. That's right, 15,000 years old. However, since the U.S. is essentially a European-ish country like Canada, inside North America, its population chose to focus on European history over indigenous ones. So often these ancient cultures get overlooked by the newer natives that are living there. These ancient civilizations would have been attracted to the area surrounding Buttermilk Creek due to its nice climate, abundance of food resources, a year-round water source, but most importantly, because the area was a source of very high-quality chert stone. They would have made tools out of the chert nodules using a technique called flint napping, where striking of hammer stones and antler billets to remove flakes of chert until the modules are reduced to bifacial shapes. Very interestingly, the oldest weapons ever found in North America were discovered at the site in 2016. These are the ancient spear points, about three to four inches long, and they are dated to 15,500 years before the present time. Bullfish Caves is another location. This time in Canada's northern Yukon region. Here, a jawbone of a Yukon horse has been radiocarbon dated to 24,000 years before the present time. There are three small caves in the area. The most interesting thing about these caves is that though they were so-called discovered in 1977, the native locals always knew about the area and the region. It was no discovery to them. What these and others show is that North American culture is rich with ancient human history. Some may term it prehistory, but isn't stuff that gets older just better at infinitely more interesting history anyway? The sad point is that most people who live in North America, all the way from Central America up to the far reaches of the Arctic, choose to have a different history, the European one and not the indigenous one. It's not ideal, but such is life. Don't we all supersede what our history was beforehand? If, of course, you live in North America and want to make a trip to China, Anatolia, Egypt, the Levant, Iraq, Iran, or India to check out ancient history, then why not also check out something that's very close to home? So far, I've talked about the Clovis culture, the buttermilk caves, and also the bluefish caves. Let me now take a moment to talk about the Mississippi culture that was spread across the southeast of the U.S. and the U.S. Midwest from the Atlantic coast to the edge of the plains, from the Gulf of Mexico to the upper Midwest, although mostly in the area along the Mississippi River and the Ohio River. One of the unique features of this society was the structure of developments of large mounds in the ground and expansive plazas including and continuing the mound-building traditions of earlier cultures. These guys grew maize and other crops intensively, 
and participated in an extensive trade network that had what we believe is to be a complicated hierarchical society, which denotes, or that tells a lot of people, that complex hierarchical societies equals to civilization. These Mississippians first appeared around 1000 CE, meaning 1000 AD, following and developing out of the less agriculturally intensive and less centralized woodland period. The largest urban site for these people, the Chukya, is located near the modern town of East St. Louis in the U.S. state of Illinois. It may have reached a population of over 20,000. Other chiefdoms were constructed throughout the southeast, and its trade networks reached into the Great Lakes and the Gulf of Mexico. At its peak between the 12th and 13th centuries, the Chilkia were the most populous city in North America, and by that I mean the U.S. and Canada side of North America. Bigger cities were around in Central and South America. Intriguingly, Monk's Mound, a large ceremonial center of the Chukya, still remains the largest urban construction of the prehistoric Americas. The culture reached its peak in about 1200 to 1400 AD, and in most places it seems to have been in decline before the arrival of the Europeans. Now you may have noticed something here. When we compare prehistoric in North America and the US and Canada specifically, when we compare it to, say, what you assume is Asia, it seems not prehistoric. 1200 to 1400 AD, that would be positively recent to an Egyptian, an Iraqi, an Indian, someone from China. 1200 to 1400 AD, that's right, it's recent to many. But because things were not written down and we don't have the evidence of something written down, for North America in that time, we're making an assumption that it's prehistoric because it's not written down. Now, therein lies another problem. This region has, and that is that its prehistory competes with better available stories from South and Central America, Africa, Europe, and Asia. The challenge then is that you're competing against those stories that have more meaning to modern humans, such as Genghis Khan or the Jesus story or anything, than this, where the written stories are not available. It's unfortunate. Now, going back, the Kincaid, another Mississippian culture, at least an archaeological site, was located in the southern tip of the present-day U.S. state of Illinois along the Ohio River. And it's dated to 1400 AD as well. And remember, 1400 AD, just to make my point, the Mongols invaded Syria after pretty much destroying Russia. In the next year, they would go on to devastate Baghdad. And yet, here in North America, we've had prehistoric civilizations, at least according to how the academics define it. Of course, my deliberations on North America have so far been restricted to Canada and the US, but North America extends all the way down from the country of Mexico through the Central American countries, and this is where things get a little bit more interesting, or a lot more interesting. Mesoamerica, the region also known as Central America and Mexico, is more of a hotbed or civilization than those further north, at least as some current evidence may suggest. 
Now, there are seven layers that I can think of that we need to peel here. Number one, what is known as the Paleo-Indian, i.e. the first human habitation. Number two, the Akarkic. Number three, the pre-classical. Number four, the classical. Number five, the post-classical. Number six, the post-European or colonial. And number seven, obviously the post-colonial as in now. These seven layers are, as usual in history, by any historian's terms, given terms by big brains at academic institutions. It helps us, you and I, measure and classify. In case you are wondering who these fancy boffins may be at academic institutions, well, they're probably archaeologists, ethno-historians, historians, cultural anthropologists, and so on. Now, let's take each one of these in turn, starting with the Paleo-Indian. The Paleo-Indian era is one that spans from the first signs of human presence in the region to the establishment of agriculture and other stuff, like, like pottery, permanent settlements, and so on. And it is subsistent techniques that we are looking out for in these proto-civilizations. This is an era that is thus from before dynastic Egypt and before early Iraq, all the way up to the start of the Iraq, Levant, Anatolian, etc. civilizations. During the Akarkic era, agriculture was thought to have been developed in the region and permanent villages were thought to be established. Late in this era, the use of pottery and loom weaving became common and class divisions began to appear. Many of the basic technologies of Mesoamerica in terms of stone grinding, drilling, pottery, etc. were established during this period. Just by the way, to com complicate matters, this era happened to a large degree, alongside the Paleo era. Now, over in Iraq and Egypt, Anatolia and China and India, historical events are getting better documented, and we are having dynastic Egypt and Akkad ongoing at the same time. Moving on to the pre-classical era. Here, large-scale ceremonial architecture, writing, cities and states had developed. Many of the distinctive elements of Mesoamerican civilization can be traced to this period including the dominance of corn, the building of pyramids, human sacrifices, Jaguar worship, the complex calendar, and many of the gods. Across the oceans and across the seas, this era saw the heights of the Egyptian empires, and many come and go all the time, all the empires. At the tail end of this era, Buddhism was established in India. Then there's the so-called classic period. That was dominated by numerous independent city-states in the Maya region and also featured the beginnings of political unity in central Mexico and the Yucatan. Regional differences between cultures grew a lot more apparent. The city-state of Teotihuacan dominated the valley of Mexico until the early 8th century, but little is known of the political structure of this region because they left little to no written records. The city-state of Monte Alban dominated the valley of Oaxaca until the late classic era, also leaving limited records in their script, which is yet mostly undeciphered. Most of the city-states such as the Caracol were actually independent, although they probably formed alliances and sometimes became vassal states of each other, you know, the usual human stuff. The main conflict then during this period was between the Tikal and the Chamaupul, who fought a series of wars over the course of what we reckon could be more than half a millennium. By the way, half a millennium is a fancy way of saying 500 years. Anyway, 
each of these states declined and were eventually abandoned. Across the seas, overseas, this era saw the later Egyptian age, including its last pharaoh Cleopatra VII. Rome was at its peak. It even transitioned from republic to empire. Ashoka was emperor in Patliputra over in India, and Jesus made an appearance. In the post-classic period, many of the great nations and cities of the classic era had collapsed, although some continued, such as in Okasa, Chula, and the Maya of the Utukans, and also the Chichen Itza and Uxmo. This is sometimes thought to have been a period of increased chaos and warpath. The post-classic is often viewed as a period of cultural decline. However, it was also a time of technological advancement in agriculture, engineering, and weaponry. The Toltec for a time dominated central Mexico in the 9th and 10th century. Then it collapsed. Northern Maya were for a time under Mayapin. Ocasa was briefly under the Mistec rulers in the 11th to 12th centuries. The Aztec Empire arose in the early 15th century and appeared to be on a path to asserting dominance over the valley of Mexico region not seen for centuries. By the 15th century, the Mayan revival in the Yucatan and southern Guatemala, including the Aztecs, enabled arts and science to flourish, including things like codex, pottery, and even botany. Over in the so-called Old World, you had ongoing crusades and the medieval era in Europe. Then we had the colonial period, which was initiated with the Spanish conquests of 1519 enabled the ending of the hegemony of the Aztec Empire, and it was accomplished with the Spaniards' strategic alliances with enemies of that empire. Now, although not all parts of Mesoamerica were brought under Spanish control right away, the defeat of the Aztecs marked the dramatic beginning of an end. Indigenous peoples did not disappear, although their numbers were greatly reduced in the 16th century by new infectious diseases brought by the Spaniards they even suffered high mortality from slave labor, and they had issues with the um, epidemics that were coming in from Europe. Then we had the post-colonial period, which is the period since 1821, is the period you're in right now. These are the countries you see these days. This is Mexico and, of course, the neighboring Guatemala and Belize, among others, in Mesoamerica. So, in conclusion... There is an ancient history on the North American continent, and it's not just Mesoamerica, it's further north too. You need to make sure that you look hard enough for that history. Anyway, with that said, thank you very much for your time. That's all for this episode. Catch you all soon. Bye.